Welcome back to Driving Theology. This is Mike. Uh, it's November 30th, 2016. Uh, it's about 20 minutes after 5 in the evening. Just heading home after a long day's work. Got my 40 minute ride ahead of me and you guys to talk to. to keep me busy. And I uh, just want to tell uh, you guys thanks, whoever's been listening. Uh, I know it's not many, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I hope you get something out of it. I'd love for you guys to, to uh, request things for me to talk about, maybe things that I could uh, mull over on my ride during my drive. But today I was just thinking uh, about Advent, and today is the... Uh, we're in the first week of Advent. Tonight's the first Wednesday, I believe, of Advent. Uh, and we, the last couple of years, we've been with our Wednesday night group kind of observing Advent, uh, which is interesting because I grew up in a tradition that did not follow the church calendar at all, uh, nor did we officially follow any of the uh, holidays, um, except possibly... Easter, you know, I'm not, I, I don't remember exactly, but it seems like we did do special things on Easter with church, but uh, as far as Christmas, it seems like we uh, really tried to avoid celebrating Christmas in my tradition. It's, it's what would be considered a fundamentalist tradition, uh, scripture only, uh, very much textualist. Textualistic, is that it? Uh, where they believe in following only the Bible. The Bible is the ultimate authority uh, and is infallible. And, and uh, they believe, of course, in the, in the inerrancy of Scripture, uh, in the uh, all of those things. Uh, and they follow the Bible and, and believe the Bible quite literally. And and they come out of a tradition that broke off from mainstream Protestantism. Uh, they were one of the uh, restor restoration movement churches that bro broke off in the middle of the 19th century from Presbyterianism in America. Uh, and it was known for, for a while as the, the Campbell Stone Movement. Um, and we get three of those churches. Today we get the Disciples of Christ, the Christian Church, and the Churches of Christ. Uh, churches of Christ is the, is the one that I grew up in. Uh, and we are very, very uh, strict uh, in a lot of ways, uh, but very open in other ways. So, uh, so interestingly enough, I didn't grow up, even though I was in church pretty much every time the doors were open if I was able from the time I was born, uh, we never knew, I never knew what Advent was or, or really any of the other uh, parts of, of the uh, church year calendar. Um, but in the last, well, especially coming to Japan and you know, I've been here almost 20, going on 22 years soon, so 21, 21 years and three quarters maybe. Uh, in that time, I've met a lot of Christians from different traditions, and that's been especially in the last five years since the great 
Eastern Japan earthquake. Uh, and since that time, I've been introduced to a lot more of uh, the church calendar uh, in various ways. And one of them is celebrating Advent. And Advent, as you know, uh, many, of you, many of you may know, is, is what you celebrate the four, uh, four weeks before Christmas. And each week uh, has a, a, a symbol, and many times they, they light Advent ca uh, candles. And so what we're going to do, and what we've done the last couple of years, is do an Advent candle. And I work today on making an Advent candle holder uh, out of an old piece of wood. And So what we'll do is light one of the four candles each week, and then the last week uh, we'll also light one extra candle for Christ, for Jesus. Uh, and yeah, that's a very religious thing, I suppose, and, and it's done religiously. But the wonderful thing about where I am right now is we have no traditions that we have to follow, and yet we're open to all of them, so we don't have to follow any of the traditions religiously, and we're free to to follow them or not follow them as as the uh, as the spirit may lead uh, and yeah it's um, it's interesting so I'm learning about all kinds of things that uh, are new to me and therefore not really religious to me because I didn't follow I didn't grow up following them strictly um, but I do love the idea that there are people that have gone on before us who have come up with ways that help us to meditate on, uh, for example, in Advent, the birth of Jesus. Uh, and they came up with ways to help us deepen our experience uh, and our communion in those events and with those events. And an Advent calendar is one way. Advent calendar, uh, not, sorry, not Advent calendar, the Advent candles. Um, but what makes what makes us religious? What, what makes something religious, as opposed to useful? Let's say. Um, when does a practice stop being useful and become religious? Well, whenever that is, I'd like to first of all say that I believe uh, that it's important to know the difference. It's important to know when that moment comes. Uh, it's important to know when you are just following a tradition uh, as opposed to doing something that in the moment will be helpful and useful. Um, so. For example, for me right now, the Advent candle is a really cool new thing. It's something I've never grown up doing, and so doing it is special, and I look forward to it, uh, and it's something that I can really get into. But who knows, four or five years down the road, we may uh, come upon the uh, first week of Advent, and somebody say, hey, where's the Advent candle? You know, we're supposed to have that. As soon as we get to the point where, hey, we're supposed to do that because that's what we've always done, I think I think that is one of the moments you know that you've you've come into a religious moment 
and not just a spiritually helpful or useful moment um, where you find that you you want to do it because that's the way it's always been done and that becomes your first reason and you have to be honest with yourself you know you need to be honest with yourself in that moment why do I want to do this am I wanting to do it because it's useful that I find it helpful that I find it helps me uh, grow closer to the the church and closer and, and therefore closer to the Lord does it help us grow closer together uh, or am I doing it because I don't want to disappoint people that they expect it and because uh, they expect it uh, I feel obligated to provide it uh, or on the other hand if I'm demanding it demanding somebody provide it uh, am I doing that because I really think in in that moment of time it would be useful and that's something that's needed and that the Spirit is leading us to do? Or uh, is it simply uh, something that um, that I feel like we do because that's who we are and we've always done it and, and that's that's just what we do? Uh, if, it's, if that's the reason, I say don't do it. If there's something that you, you're going to do just because you've always done it, that's a great time to stop and give it a break. And maybe look at other other things to do. Uh, the second way you'll know if something is a religious, you do it religiously as opposed to uh, just because it's it's beneficial, would be if you feel like you uh, are less of a believer. If you feel like you've dropped in in standing or stature because you're not doing a ritual or a tradition and I'd say that's that's something that has become quite religious um, but if you like I said if you do it because because you feel like the the spirit is leading you to do that and that the the group will benefit that's a good that's a good reason to do it um, and so the difference between doing something that's beneficial for the body as opposed to uh, following a, a tradition just because that's what we do and that's what we've always done. I think you'll find that that, that will help us and that will help the church uh, keep our, our theology fresh by allowing us to change what we do from time to time, by not getting stuck in a rut. Now I know there are many people out there that follow the church calendar and and I know there's a way to do that and keep it fresh. I'm sure there's a way to do it and keep it fresh. Um, but in my experience, having gone to traditional church services almost all my life, for 90% of my life or more, uh, what I found is that we become complacent and we don't dive in as deeply when our walk with the Lord and worship services become routine. Um, I know I've said a lot more about that in uh, times past, um, 
But when something becomes routine, when you don't have to think as much to do it, uh, then as far as um, things that we do in worship of the Lord, whether it's singing, praying, taking communion, uh, giving, whatever it is that you do in your worship services, if it's done uh, just routine, that you don't really think about it deeply, uh, then I don't, I don't find it that it's helpful for you, and it has become actually a hindrance and a crutch for you, uh, instead of being a way that helps you draw closer to Jesus. Uh, and so I would say, and I, I know not everybody agrees with this, but if you're doing anything, uh, you know, whether it's going to worship services, uh, whether it's praying before every meal, uh, whatever you're doing religiously, I, I would say, you know, really be honest with yourself. When you sit down to do that thing, take sit down to, to pray at the dinner table. Really look at why you're doing it. Are you doing it? because that's what you're supposed to do? Or are you doing it because that's the best thing you could do at that moment? That's the, that's the one way at that moment that you can best uh, help fulfill the mission of God. That you can, you can do, a, you can be a part of it. Is that the best way? Is that the only thing you should be doing? Um, and if you feel it's the best thing, then by all means, do it. But if you feel like you're doing it just because that's what you've always done, seriously, take a break from it. I'm telling you, there is no uh, holiness in doing something when your heart's not into it. Now, there's some, there's some exceptions. Uh, and I would say the exception comes when you harm another person because you decide not to do something, right? So, you know, maybe you've got a, a, a poor person there who needs food and you've got food. Uh, you don't suddenly say, oh, well, yeah, I, I would give this to you, but man, I, I always give food to the poor and I just don't feel it right now. So I really shouldn't give it to you because, you know, I don't want it to come from my heart. I would say in that case, Give them the food. Give them the food and be thankful for grace. And do a do a heart check. If you don't have compassion for those in need, excuse me, in need when they're standing right in front of you, uh, yeah, that's a problem. Uh, and I would say you have more of a problem than just uh, following rituals religiously. Uh, I'd say you you have you have a a heart level uh, problem with sympathizing and empathizing with, with those who are worse off than you. Uh, and that's a much worse problem. Um, but wow, it's, it's really great to be in this, to, to be free from institutionalized church because we now are free to really borrow any traditions that we'd like to bring in. Uh, we really try to keep things simple. We really try not to uh, complicate things in what we do. Uh, we 
try not to be more of a burden on anybody uh, if we can, or instead of more more of a burden to be a burden on anyone uh, to to lessen people's burdens as much as we can, as opposed to increase them. Uh, and it hasn't been easy uh, doing that. There's some guilt uh, that people have when leaving the institutional church. Uh, but back to back to the topic. Um, yeah, it's it's great to be able to borrow from and not have to follow any particular rituals or uh, religious routines that we can change as 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 the spirit leads. I almost said change as we like, but that's definitely not what we're going for. It may be that sometimes and. Again, we're thankful for uh, the grace of Jesus through all of this. But really what our aim is, is doing what the Lord would have us do in any moment. And if, he's, and if he, in every moment, asks us to take communion every week, then, you know, by all means, let's do that. You know, that's great. No problem with that. But I'd rather take communion in a moment where uh, I'm really longing for it. I'm longing for the, the communion with the saints and with the Lord uh, through food. Um, as opposed to, well, okay, it's time for communion. It's that time. We always do it. Let's just do it. Let's get it over with. Let's do a good job. Let's do it properly. You know, um, I just don't find that helpful. I, I don't find it helpful at all. Um, that must have what it been what it was like for Paul. You know, Paul grew up in a very strict Jewish tradition, uh, and and really for all the the apostles uh, in particular. Um, but Paul grew up in a strict tradition, a, by all accounts, a Pharisee and a leader of the Pharisees and, and an educated man, a, a uh, theologian in the Jewish tradition. Uh, he followed all the rituals and the rites and observed the feast days and Sabbaths and all of those things in his entire life. But when he met Jesus suddenly he realized that everything that he was doing that was of a religious nature was of no value. Not only that, he realized that he had received in one gift from Jesus the validation of God that he was seeking by fulfilling all those rituals. He had received that all at once, which gave him an enormous amount of freedom to not observe, to not have to observe all of the feast days. And he came to that conclusion much earlier than any of the apostles, as far as we know, much earlier. He was able to throw off that system of bondage. Uh, 
whereby people were supposedly made right with God, he was able to throw that off and put on Christ, which was a, a cloak of freedom. Uh, and this made him especially adapted to taking the gospel into the Gentile world, to the Greeks, uh, into those in Turkey and Asia Minor and maybe in Spain and all of these places he was able to take Jesus without the burden of Judaism uh, weighing it down and it must have been enormously freeing now we do know that the churches uh, of course slowly seem to uh, fall into some of their own traditions and rituals uh, some of that being, uh, depending on how you translate it, either uh, the love feast, uh, which could have been the Lord's Supper, the communion, the ritual that we know it, or it could have been just sharing a meal together. It's kind of hard to tell exactly what breaking of bread meant uh, in each uh, place that's used in the Bible. And meeting on uh, the first days, the first day of the week, became a tradition after a while um, and lots of other things uh, I'm sure and of course we know today that uh, lots of traditions came in traditions about how baptisms were done how people became uh, parts of the church uh, infant baptism was brought in uh, eventually uh, um, things like um, uh, absolution things where many rituals were brought in uh, for, you know, many religious rituals were created in those first, say, four or five hundred years, uh, which soon became codified in the Catholic religion, and much of which survives today. Um, but Paul knew none of that, or very little of that. And he never would have bound himself to any of it, knowing the bondage that he had been freed from. He would not have take on, taken on another bondage over that. Right? That, that would have been ridiculous. That's what Jesus came to, to take away. Uh, many, many people uh, just traded one master for another. One slavery for another slavery, uh, and I don't, I don't think that's what Jesus had in mind. I don't think that that was what he had in mind for his body, or uh, as the way that people were freed. And again, wow, thank, thankful for grace and all of that, because I think we've all gone in and out of bondage to many things, uh, myself included, of course. Over, over the many years. Um, but I pray that none of us uh, give up that quest for greater and greater freedom in Christ. Because the more freedom we are able to accept in Christ, the more people we are able to take Christ to, and to show Christ to, and introduce Jesus to. And this is why Paul talked about 
being all things to all men so that he could save some. You know, he, he did not bind himself to the ways of men, but really relished living in the freedom of Jesus. Uh, and so much of that has been lost. And so much, so much of that needs to be reclaimed. Uh, freedom needs to be reclaimed. Just got a phone call from my daughter, Erica. She's having a basketball game tonight, her first game of the season. Uh, she's in Tokyo, and it's a away game, so we're not going to be able to watch it. So she was telling me how to possibly get the live stream, which I, I hope to try when I get back home. Uh, yeah, so Paul talked about being all things to all men so that he could save some. You know, and I think the some, I think he means as many as possible, you know. And Paul knew that he didn't save anybody, but Jesus does. Uh, but this, this bondage that so many of us are into religious constructs uh, and um, validation systems, you know, ways that we ways that we feel accepted and validated by Jesus, uh, it, it's, it's a real thing. You know, it's, it's, not, it's not anything to be toyed with. Um, people f have fought wars over that. People have killed and died over that. Uh, which should tell you a lot right there. It should tell you there's something wrong with that idea that one tradition must be followed above and over another tradition. That one is wrong and one is right. Uh, it's just crazy. Um, and so, by the grace of God, I, I have stumbled out of there uh, and have been uh, out for uh, close to three years, I think. Um, completely out for at least two years um, and it's not it's not necessarily easier uh, it's it's definitely not easy you know there's a there's a lot that we lost in making that decision a lot was lost um, a lot of fellowship was lost. Uh, perhaps some, some we may have lost some respect from people that we love uh, when we when we walked out of church. And a lot of people look at us weird now, you know, because we don't we don't go to worship religiously on Sundays, for example. You know, that's not something that we feel we have to do. Um, and that's that's tough for people to accept who are in, in, in bondage to those systems. And I think that misery likes company. And I think people feel that we are being unfair because we're not going. Or we're not we're not doing those things that, that everybody else has to do. Um, 
but you know somebody had to lead by example somebody had to be a part of the system to be to be uh, enslaved to the system and be freed and hopefully lead the way you know hopefully lead the way um, I, I just don't think that life is sustainable in those systems for the maturing believer. I think as you mature to a certain point, uh, you will see those systems for what they are, and they are really substitutes. Uh, the religious system uh, can easily become a substitute for a genuine following of Jesus it becomes a substitute for that so yeah I can't really follow Jesus but hey I can go to church on Sunday and so I'll just do that you know and and that should work um, so I love my brothers and sisters more than they know who are still in the system but I don't feel called to go back into it and if I did, I would go in to release them, to lead them, uh, hopefully, to a freer expression of the body of Christ, so that they can mature in Him, as I hope I'm doing. I guess it's kind of like uh, wearing wearing shoes. You know, as you grow, uh, shoes need to be changed. You need to, to trade up to bigger size, to bigger size shoes. And if you don't do that, well, your feet will continue to grow, but they will they will curl and bend and morph and uh, warp uh, into something that looks unlike feet if they're constrained in shoes that are too small. Uh, and eventually, if the feet continue to grow, you may give up on shoes altogether. And, and I think that's where, where I think I, I got to, if I can say that humbly, um, I just go barefoot, you know? Just forego the shoes altogether. Why not? Uh, which, you know, we could go into barefoot running if you'd like. Uh, that's something else I believe in. I think it's pretty cool, but <laughs> that's maybe for another time. Um, but just as, just as Paul says, I'll also say, you know, I have not achieved the maturity that I hope I will someday. I haven't achieved it. I haven't figured it all out. Uh, I'm still wrestling with with uh, myself uh, in all of this, trying to to give more and more freedom, uh, or to give the Lord more more and more freedom over me, and to control less and less. 
it's a, it's a continuous process that I work on. I mean, I think everybody does who's honest. Uh, and I don't think it'll ever be completed in my lifetime. But I know that the Lord is faithful to complete in me that which he started. Uh, and that on that day in the future, My, my uh, hope for you is is freedom, freedom in Christ, freedom to uh, follow the Spirit without any uh, heavy burdens of uh, religious traditions or rituals, and that if you follow any traditions, that you follow them not as traditions, but as what that which is most beneficial in any given moment. That you have the freedom to to do new things and to do old things. You have that freedom. You know whether it's uh, you know take part in in a seder, in, in celebration of Pentecost, something from the old Jewish tradition within reason, uh, or. You know, to, to do something completely different, to, to, to do something that, that God has put on your heart in a, in a way that's never been done before. To have the freedom to do either one and then not to do it again. Or to do it again, if that's what's most beneficial for you and the body of Christ that the Lord has placed you in. So freedom, yeah, freedom in Christ. Makes me want to go watch Braveheart, <laughs> which I might have to do this winter season. Great movie. Uh, wish you guys all the best. Thanks for listening. Have a great night and a great uh, Advent season. Talk to you later.